Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Weirdos, welcome to episode number 69 of the History for Weirdos podcast. We are back and we're always so happy to be back. We have another, I think, great episode for you all, but I am very biased because I wrote the episode. Yes. Well, I know this week's topic, so I have a feeling it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah. And before we get into it, just two really quick announcements. Number one, we will be having an episode next week on the 26th, the day after Christmas, so stay tuned for that. It's a little... Christmas special episode for you all. Yes. Full of Christmas cheer. Or will it be? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And then also, um, just as a reminder, though, well, it's not a reminder. It's my first time telling you guys, we will not be having an episode on the 2nd. So January 2nd. Monday, January 2nd. Yeah, it's our day off. We're taking a little winter break, um, and then we'll be back in the new year with tons of great weird history episodes for you all we've gotten a lot of amazing recommendations yeah so thank you so much and that leads me into my second announcement i'm slowly but surely just kind of going through our email and instagram inboxes and guys it's i want i don't want you to think that we're ignoring you we're not there's just so many messages and we're just really taking our time going through them um so we will get to you guys probably eventually so just (laughs) that was so lame. Probably I know, eventually. There's so many. It's it's hard. It's like I feel like I, I I respond to one and then three more come in, and it's not a way to complain. It's like it's literally your love is overwhelming. <laughs> we love it. We love it so. We're much. slowly but surely getting through them. Thank you so much for messaging us. We love your messages. We love your recommendations, and we love hearing um, lots of cool connections that folks have to different episode topics. Yeah. Or their own family's weird history. So we love that. That's a much more like succinct way of saying it. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Well, those are the two announcements. So without further ado, Stephanie, what is your awesome episode about this week? Today, we will discuss the story of a rebel queen who reminds me a lot of actually Olga of Kiev. Oh, nice. Who, for those who may not know, Andrew covered her story in last week's episode. Mm -hmm. So if you have not listened, I would definitely check that out as well. Um, we've got a nice theme going here of just like ferocious women who refuse to take crap from anyone. And I like that energy for all of us, (laughs) just maybe with less massacre. Just slightly less massacre. Yeah. So (laughs) without further ado, today I will be covering the Queen Boudica, um, or Boudica, Boudica. Boudica is probably the most common pronunciation I heard. I did look up the pronunciation, and that seems to be the best guess. Her name was also sometimes, though, written as Boudicea, which would be B-O-A-D-I-C-E-A. And she was a Celtic warrior queen who led her people and other tribes in an infamous revolt against the Romans. Oh, snap. You know who this also reminds me of? We did another episode on Zenobia. Yeah, she was the the queen of the Palmyrene Empire. That's a really great connection. Yeah. yeah, definitely. There's Zenobia vibes and Olga of Kiev vibes in today's episode. And for those who do not know, Andrew 
loves ancient Rome. Yeah, so I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> I feel like whenever I do something on ancient Rome, I'm always on the Roman side, even if they're doing like terrible things. I'm like, wait a minute, Andrew, hold on, hold on. You're you're like an amateur historian. Let's like take a step back and actually analyze like from a, just a purely like non-biased lens. Yes. And I don't do that. Well, here I am to do that for us today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, in fact... Almost all the information we have on Boudicca comes from Roman scholars. Unsurprising, yeah. Such as Tacitus and Cassius Dio. Oh, Tacitus is a good one. Cassius Dio is a little bit of a... He likes to spin a little bit of a tale. Yeah, I was going to say both of these men are probably two of the most well-known Roman historians. Yeah. And I know um, both of their names from you and from my classics professor, Robert Graval. Uh, Cassius Dio actually... The Gerves. Yes. He published 80 volumes oh my God. on Roman history. He really, really liked to spin a tale. Yeah. Starting with Aeneas's arrival in Italy. Yeah. Which, you know... So he was making shit up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's like... he. That's one of the biggest criticisms about Cassius Dio, or Dio, is that uh, he was is not the most historically accurate. But Tacitus does seem to be more... He's more... He's definitely more accurate. Because it looked like from my very brief research on them that Tacitus was writing about events that he, he had witnessed or he could interview people who had lived through those events. Right. right. That it was He was very much like a follow of Herodotus. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to refer to those guys later. But for now, back to Boudicca. Since most of the information we have, as I mentioned, comes from Roman scholars, little is known about her early life. Mm. It's believed that she was born into an elite family in, and I'm not going to say this right, <laughs> yes. Camelodunum. Camelodun- oh, yeah. I, I, I can't. Camelodunum. Which, That's pretty good. Yeah, which today is Calchester. I looked up that pronunciation as well. I know it's wrong. I know I'm saying it wrong. That's okay. Yeah, um, Colchester? Or... Yeah. Colchester. So she was born, they think, around 30 AD. Yeah, that sounds about right. So when she was 18, Boudicca married Prastugas, who was king of the Iceni tribe that resided in modern-day Norfolk in East Anglia. It's important to know that this tribe was not a part of the British Roman territory of Britannia. Okay, that's going to mm-hmm. come into the story. Yeah. Because then, in 43 AD, the Romans conquered southern England, pillaging the area and enslaving the local people. So, yeah. Prostugas, son of a nutcracker, uh, the king, Boudicca's husband, yeah. <laughs> hoping to play nice with the Romans and avoid an invasion, he made the Roman emperor Nero co-heir with his daughters to the kingdom and to the wealth. Mm. This was like supposed to be, I guess, like kind of a peace offering on his end. Interesting. To protect Boudicca and his daughters. He was like, oh, they'll be yours when I pass. But sadly, this strategy did not work. When Prestugas died without a male heir in 60 AD... The Romans annexed his kingdom and confiscated his family's land and property. So they didn't care about this. Right. Very generous move on his part. And as if that wasn't bad enough, in an effort to humiliate the Iceni people, they publicly flogged Boudicca and raped her two daughters. Oh we, my god. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. We unfortunately don't know how old her daughters were at the time. Um, 
and other Iceni chiefs and their families were also publicly humiliated and their families enslaved. Mm-hmm. Tacitus recorded Boudicca's promise of vengeance in one of his writings on her. And he wrote that she stated, in quote, nothing is safe from Roman pride and arrogance. They will deface the sacred and will deflower our virgins. Win the battle or perish. That is what I, a woman, will do. She was motivated to make the Romans pay and maintain her daughter's rightful inheritance. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think you bringing up Tacitus. I don't remember if it's him, but there was a, like a very influential um, Roman historian at this time that was like had vocal opposition against the mm. Roman occupation of Britannia. That's Which is because we always think of like, you know, almost like like monolithic deity or entities, right? Like yeah, these like empires. At, mm-hmm. And it wasn't the case. I mean, even in ancient times, it wasn't the case. Right. It's not the case today, right? We all have yeah. very different opinions about our governments. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get to the warrior part of calling her a warrior queen. Ooh, nice. Boudicca had trained as a warrior, which was common for Celtic women of this time. So she would have learned weaponry, fighting techniques, uh, battle strategy, all of those things, which Mm -hmm. is so cool. With the Roman provincial governor Gaius, very original name for the time. (laughs) Yeah, Gaius, by the way, guys, is like John in like ancient Rome. Yes. Gaius uh, Sautonius Paulinus was his name. He was the governor and he led a military campaign over in Wales at the time. Boudicca at this time decided to lead her rebellion of the Iceni tribes that were also, the Iceni and other tribes, excuse me, that were mm-hmm. very resentful of Roman rule. Um, so to gather troops for the fight, Boudicca and her daughters drove around, and this is like what was said at the time, it's like a very romanticized image that they would drive around in a chariot with Boudicca like driving the chariot and her two beautiful daughters flanking her on either side. Mm. And they would rally the people to to come and fight. Boudicca would often proclaim that she was fighting as an ordinary person, but she was fighting for her freedom, her bruised body, and for her daughters. Because a lot of men that she was encountering, a lot of the local chiefs, were very hesitant to fight against the Romans, understandably. Right. So to the men in her ranks who weren't as committed to the cause, she reportedly said to them, in quotes, win the battle or perish. That is what I, a woman, will do. You men can live on in slavery if that's what you want. Damn. Damn. That's what I wrote in my notes. Look, damn. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I would think there would be a lot of fear in rebelling, but she was very good at motivating people to follow her. Yeah. So in addition to being known for her ferocity and her leadership, Boudicca's appearance also made quite an impression on people. One description that we have of her physical appearance states, quote, Boudicca was a striking looking woman. She was very tall, the glance of her eye most fierce, her voice harsh. A great mass of the reddest hair fell down to her hips. Oh, wow. Her appearance was terrifying, <laughs> which I love. That's amazing. You know that who that kind of sounds like? That sounds like um, the lead singer of Florence and the Machine. <laughs> I would have never guessed that like yeah. that connection but yeah that kind of that does make sense. So we are going to get into the battles that ensue. Ooh, fun stuff. With a mighty army at her side, Boudicca targeted Roman occupied um 
Camelodum, like her old, mm-hmm. her home, basically. And she managed to bring the Romans there to their knees. She totally beat them wow. very quickly. And then they moved on to defeat London and Vera Lamium, which is modern day St. Albans, sacking and burning both of these cities to the ground. Oh, wow. Londominium? Mm-hmm. Wow. She was quickly becoming known for her ruthless rebellion and seemed to be unstoppable. She took over these three areas, like, in a very brief amount of time, while the governor, Gaius guy, is yeah, in Wales. Yeah, oh, Okay. At this point, however, Gaius, that's what I'm going to call him. Fair. <laughs> he was like, oh, shit, I got to get back <laughs> from Wales. And he marched his army to confront her and her rebels. So he marched his army to confront Boudicca and the, rebel- and the rebels. They finally met during the Battle of Watling Street. Oh, yeah. And even though the Romans were heavily outnumbered, Boudicca and her forces lost. Boudicca was not killed in battle, but hmm. took poison rather than be taken alive by the Romans. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I didn't know that, actually. Unfortunately, it's unknown what happened to her two daughters, though some speculate that they would have taken the poison with their mother. Mm, makes sense. Is there anything that you learned about this from the Roman side, the <laughs> Roman propaganda side? You know what? Not really. Actually, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so Britannia, a lot of people in Rome thought Britannia was like a, a lost cause. Mm-hmm. It just like the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. Even Nero was against occupation. In fact, there's a lot of speculation that if the Romans would have lost, they would have just pulled out and to never return. Just use this as like the final straw. Yeah, just be like, eh, it's not worth it. I mean, they already did that with parts of Germany just because it was so vast and there's just forests, there weren't cities. It was Mm -hmm. kind of just like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So they could have just pulled out and it, you know, the history of the world would have been changed. But this out heavily outnumbered force almost like was a thorn, like by winning was like a thorn in the side of Nero. Being like, so interesting. Damn, I didn't even want to be here because it was so it like it was too costly. Like the the whole point of setting up provinces was that like you put in money there, but then you eventually get you the get resources. Money. Yeah, yeah, and you get resources and money back, and there just wasn't any. Yeah. So it was ironic that they were like, "Oh, we were successful. Damn it." I imagine even the like the soldiers, the armies that were there were probably like, "This place is so cold." Yeah, and I want to go home. It, it's funny because like like there Britain would always play like like a nuisance at the very least mm-hmm. in like Roman power politics. I mean, that's where even Constantine came from. Mm-hmm. And you, there was always like rebellions coming there. And the thing was like, you had to send a lot of legions to Britain because like, that's how you could hold it. Yeah. But then the thing is like, you'd have a general becoming too powerful. He declares himself Caesar and boom, you have another civil war mm-hmm. happen like time and time again. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Well, in all, Tacitus, your boy... My boy. He claimed that Boudicca's forces had massacred some 70,000 Romans... jeez. Oh, ...and pro-Roman Britons. Though her rebellion failed, and the Romans would continue to control Britain until 410 AD, yeah. Boudicca is celebrated today as a national heroine for her courage and her fight for independence. Yeah, you know what I find really interesting about, like, the way the British view Boudicca is that, like, you know, they see her as, like, you know, kind of like a national hero. Yes. Um, But also they, I feel like the British also do have a very, like, heavy tie to Rome. Like, they're very 
proud that they were like Roman at one point. That's interesting. It's yeah. Like how these two conflicting identities can exist at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of like I heard this one professor say like America is a prime example of that. It's like we have like, you know, we're founded on like Judeo-Christian values, but we're a Greco-Roman society. Yeah. Very interesting. And they just clash. They do. Yeah. They clash and we hold on to both. Exactly. So interesting. Humans, we're wild. We're wild, just full of contradictions. <laughs> we're a wild bunch. Yeah. Well, in conclusion, let me share my sources. The nice. first source is a history.com article by Sarah Pruitt, and it was titled, Who Was Boudicca? The next was an article from Historic UK by Ben Johnson, and it was just called Boudicca. And this source is actually a TikTok Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> a TikTok by Dr. Amy okay, good. <laughs> uh, Bovington, or Boyington. I don't know if I wrote her name down wrong. Dr. Amy Boyington, I think. She is an awesome TikTok historian. She covers a lot of women, um, a lot of regal, you know, royal women throughout history. And she actually has a, a book coming out next year that I definitely want to get. Oh, nice. So I recommend her content as well. And then last but not least, Wikipedia to fill in the holes. Of course. <laughs> it's always a good always a good source for that. And that is my rendition of the story of Boudicca. Well, thank you. Of I course. love Boudicca. She's one of my like favorite like heroines, I think, of the ancient world. Yay, I'm so glad Andrew was excited that I was going to cover this subject. Also, yeah. because um, I don't know if you all have noticed, listening to this, Andrew tends to cover more ancient history. Yes. And I tend to cover more modern history, I guess. Yeah, we really kind of like threw a loop here. Yes. So this was a switch up. Yeah. I mean, and by, you know, last week when I covered Olga, uh, I feel like medieval is like, eh, close enough to modern. (laughs) No, (laughs) I would say that medieval is close enough to ancient. (laughs) And that is where we differ. And that is where we differ. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode, Weirdos. As always, do not forget to rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast as you have. You've helped us grow so much and we appreciate it. Yeah. And until next time, Weirdos. Until next time. Adios. Adios.